<laughs> We're recording. Oh, great. Well, this is Ariel. This is Way. And this is Everybody's, Everybody's Basic. Basic. and I am a public relations professional and an arts maven. I am Wei Huan Chen and I am an arts critic with the Houston Chronicle. And what do we, we're talking about a lot of things that are multi-layered, but we also kind of are looking at it from the lens of a specific film that came out in, I think, 2013? Yes. Um, so, so again, this is a podcast about the intersection of dating, <laughs> race, and entertainment. Just worst. a reminder for all y'all I'm, who forget... <laughs> forgot about us. I'm the worst. I've had a lot of wine. I've had like three gins and like wine and I'm sipping on wine now. I have to get my shit together. It's 9pm on a Wednesday. Girl, what day is it? It's Wednesday. On a Wednesday, we're at, we're in Ariel's kitchen living room, kind of living space. Right. And we want to talk about expectation. Yes. What we expect from our romantic partners, from our, you know, maybe friends, from our first dates, second dates, third dates. I feel like a lot of what we talk about has to do with our preconceived set of ideals and values that we then kind of impose or kind of fit into our real life experiences. And I think this is a really uh, interesting topic that is almost universally uh, talked about within the dating world. And do our expectations contribute to relationship success or is it what creates relationship failure for us a lot of times because we have all of these false expectations right. um, that really aren't considering the humanity maybe of our partners and the humanity of ourselves? And is the solution to have no expectations? I don't know. Hmm. But what, what, what do you mean? What do you talk? What do you mean? The solution to what? So what going into something eyes wide open, not really saying that hey, I'm present, I'm here, and I have this moment with this person, mm-hmm. and I'm going to accept this moment, and not um, impose all of these hypothetical needs that I think I need. Like there are things that I think that I need from a relationship, but I don't necessarily know. That's the main question that I get from more serious-minded Tinder dates or Bumble dates, which is, what brings you to this app? What are you looking for? And oftentimes, I do struggle in answering that question because I don't know. It sounds, I mean, it sounds shitty to say I don't know what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. I, I sound like every other man in like their 20s. Right. But I think what I mean by that is every person I meet, I should be open to, and I don't want to impose a certain expectation of specifically who you are and who you should be. Like, you know, things that is, you know, maybe more forgivable. Like, you need to be this weight or you need to be this height or you need to have this salary or even this race or this religion or things that I may or may not be able to overlook versus more broader expectations that we can talk about. It's like, okay, I expect you to have these values and I expect you to act in this certain way. And if you do not act in that way we are done or it's strike one strike two 
But I mean, that's it's interesting that you brought up gender and and how I think that men are more fluid in how they approach dating and or in terms of what their expectations are. They're they're. I think that a lot of times women have a very specific objective that they're going into dating situations with. It's like, hey, we just came out of a breakup. We're liberating ourselves, and we want meaningless sex mm-hmm. or. The clock is ticking. We need to settle down and get things done and create a life. I think that women are tend to be a lot more pointed mm-hmm. in their intentions when they go into dating. Um, I don't know. I, I just that's an observation that I've had. Um, what do you mean? Explain. Like, can you give me an example? So, um, I don't know. I think there's there's always that kind of tense. You people always kind of reference that tense moment where a woman is like, "What are your intentions?" Um, and men were, are like, "What? What is this coming from? I don't know what my intentions are." Right. Um, I don't know if it's societal pressure or um, what kind of happens, but usually when women go into certain situations, we know what we want to get out of whatever interactions we're having, mm-hmm. and men are kind of like. Mm, it would be great if I have sex, but whatever happens in between is unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at a stand-up comedy uh, routine at um, the Secret Group in downtown in Edo. Mm-hmm. I was want I was um, was gonna watch Harry Kondabalu, the stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. uh, friend of NPR. So NPR listeners, I don't know, maybe we have a cross section of NPR the listeners nerd. and everybody's basic listeners. We cultivated a nerd following. That makes sense. Uh, so there was a female comic whose primary uh, stand routine was about dating. And what she said was that men and women have very unrealistic expectations of each other but if we can both meet each other's unrealistic relation, uh, expectations, then maybe it'll work. So what she said is I'll let you come on my face if you stop a plane every now and then just to tell me that you miss me that was that is fucking amazing to me <laughs> because i feel like a lot of times for men i don't know because women have clear objectives and men are so kind of fluid and open like women are more willing to say yes to things and men just kind of are like, well, because we had no expectations, I don't have to do shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Because it's a lot. Wait, you're, okay, so you're saying women will always work harder in a relationship? Girl, what are you saying? I I, I think that that's true. Okay. Not always. This is, okay, this is great because we have a dating like show with a heterosexual man and heterosexual women. So you can speak for all women and I can speak for all men. Naturally. And I feel like men are also put up to certain expectations perhaps not you know like sex toy like you know no one's ever like asked me the well can you kind of come on your face or, I, right. I don't know what the female you know female equivalent version of it but i oh, feel like sometimes oh god <laughs> but but i think i I, I have had women who had unrealistic expectations for the type of person that i am okay so basically the basis of that joke is kind of a reference to this movie Don yes. John. I love now, this Don movie. Don John is a great movie that we want to talk about because 
it perfectly lays out this dichotomy of female versus male desire of one another. So can you kind of like summarize, well, we can summarize together, like what Don John is. So um, Don John is a film that came out in 2013 and it is about a man who is seemingly in his mid to late twenties. Yeah, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, whom I love because he kind of what he does is he takes um, romantic situations, also like disease, and really tries to illustrate them with as much authenticity as possible. You have Five Hundred Days of Summer, you have Don John, you have Fifty Fifty, hmm. um, and just really trying to humanize some of these situations that in our minds we've romanticized. Yeah. But um, he, there is this character who's seemingly in his mid-twenties, very New Jersey, Italian, aggressive. It's a little uncomfortable because he seems like he, there is a very specific trope that he is emulating in this film that he is almost exploiting maybe a little bit making fun of he's like a jersey shore guy mm-hmm. he has this like recurring monologue where he's like yo i got i got my gym i got my tanning i got my clothes i got my porn i got my club i got my bros like i go to five... church on sundays yeah, it's, this is like an extended version of gtl do you know gtl <laughs> i don't have no idea what that is Jim Tan Laundry, coined by I think it was Paulie Shore or one of the Shores. Yep, that makes sense. GTL. <laughs> it was. It's he's very Jersey Shore, right? Um, and one day at the club, he meets Scarlett Johansson, who is just the prototypical woman that he thinks that he's looking for. Yeah. Um, she's a 10, you know, because him and his guy friends in the club, they sit around and they look at women objectively and say, "Hey, that's a four. Her tits are two, but her ass is an eight. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I remember. I, I don't. I forgot that they. Yes. You know, men do that. Yeah, they rank women one to ten. And I don't Scar- know. Yeah. Scarjo's a ten, obviously. Yeah, she's a dime. So he he assigns her to be a dime, and he goes over and he talks to her. And usually, he's able to just like talk to a girl, leave the club with her, fuck her, and then be done. But no. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett. Um, Scarlett Ho- Jansen. Oh, Scarlett Johansson. What are you trying to say? Scar- Scarlett Johansson withholds the pussy, and he is mesmerized and fascinated by the fact that he didn't get what he wanted, so he has to find her. I'm going to have to take you seriously now. You didn't give it all away on the first date, so now I have to respect you as a human being. So hilarious. <laughs> um, and then, so he managed to, in a very stalkerish way, find her Facebook and message her and invite her to lunch. Um... And at lunch, she, first of all, if he is a Jersey Shore trope, she is as well. She's Man, her very, accent is like, I can't even. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I don't even want to try. I feel like I'm going to embarrass Can you myself. say like, wh- what are you talking She's about? She's like, what are you, where are you going? What are you talking? She's like talking, How'd you get my talking. number? How'd you find me? How'd yeah. you find yeah, me? Yeah, she said number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how'd you get my number? You're so cute. You're cute. You're so cute. <laughs> Is that like Italian? Is that Italian American? She, I mean, it's, I think, well, because they talk about, they were like, oh, Sugarman, her last name is, um, Bar- her name is Barbara Sugarman. And there's a scene where her his father is talking about her. She was like, Sugarman, is she black? 
she's not Italian with the last name. She's Julie Sugarman. What is that? But like, I don't think that she's necessarily <laughs> Italian. I think there's okay. just this like ratchet over tan Jersey Shore that they're trying to. These are these are these are like fancy <laughs> West Coast actors trying to like slum it up, trying it, to be like they're from New Jersey. It's hilarious. I mean, they've this... ever like Scarlett Johansson has ever set foot in the state of New Jersey. I mean, I'm not gonna say that this is a perfect film. Um, okay, so the, they get in a relationship, and what do. happens? Because they, the, he is the dream boy. I mean, it's, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's charming, but no, 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 and it's no, going, no, no. There are there are like each other's ideals. No, let's break this down. At first, she is his ideal. Mm-hmm. He is her builder bear project. Okay. So first of all, she withholds sex from him mm-hmm. because. She says, I don't know what this means. And she uses sex as kind of a um, bait in order to get him to do certain things. Like, there's a scene in which he's standing at the door of her apartment and he wants to come in, of course, to have sex with her. And she's like, no, I don't know what that is. She's like basically rubbing against him and like dry humping him. And he comes. He (laughs) he comes at that moment. But she's like, I want to meet your family. I want to meet your friends. Go to school, oh, baby. Oh. She's like, she's like, go to school. You, you can get your degree and get a real job. Like, she's, oh my god, dude, she, man, it's been too long since I've seen that. That is hilarious. Yes. She, she baits him. Oh my god, withhold sex. This is like mind control. Yes, and so it's it's. It's very interesting how these devices are brought into... She knows that dick is, like, directly connected to brain and you can, like, actively control, like, men for, for, for good. Right. So, so he's not... He, he rises out of the GTL routine to become, right. like, an actual man, like a real man. And not just a guy at the club. A little bit. And so, you know, he comes... He takes on some responsibility and some accountability, right? He's after he comes, he said. Yes. <laughs> Because, you know, men are only human beings those three minutes after they come. (laughs) Anyway, um, he does start to take on some accountability in the relationship and also in his life. So he does go to school. He does um, break some of the sophomoric routines that he has with his homeboys of them going out or whatever. Um but he has this deep, dark, dirty little secret and that he watches, consumes porn constantly. All the time. And he likes Every it. Every day, at work. Constantly. Yeah. In class. And he likes it more than sex. Yeah. He even likes it more than sex with this beautiful, ideal dime girl that he has elected is perfect in every way. But it's still not as good as what pornography can do for him. Yeah. Um, so there are scenes in the movie where their relationship starts to hit a snag where after they have a very romantic evening they have like you know their sex scene and he was like okay she's okay she goes to sleep and he wakes up and goes to his kind of secret palace of pleasure that it has, that is his like widescreen laptop and his like doesn't he have like a nice little setup? He's where got he a setup. Back, you know, he's got like his elevated. tissues. Yeah, he's got his tissues. He has a whole routine of self pleasure that he has created for himself, and then he'll watch, uh, you know, his 
I, I was like fairly traditional porn right. that he watches. You know, it's he's kind of he's not like, watching the shit that I watch. No, it's it's like it's like <laughs> typical like Brazzers stuff. Yeah. You know, Brazzers. Yo, yeah, I'm very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm a. I will hey, not... audience, when was the last time you heard a podcast where we're talking about fucking Brazzers? Look, I'm very familiar with Brazzers. Okay, I have some favorites. So. Um, but oh, yes. oh, oh, by the way, my favorite scene in the movie is where, where Don John is like about to come and he's like almost there, and then the camera pans up to the guy's face. <laughs> he tries to stop and, and he tries to stop himself and he and he comes like, oh, oh. right and he's like, Oh no, I just came to that guy's face and I mean you can't control it. But it's just like <laughs> I feel like it has a very knowing take on how men consume porn. And how it is extremely self like I feel like when you start to consume pornography as a male when you're like 11 12 13 you develop rituals that become hardened because you start to know what you like you you prefer images or videos or certain certain kind of uh, poses and it becomes exactly what you want and you never want anything else beside it and on the internet, you can type that exact thing into Google and get it all the time. It becomes very difficult when you are interacting with a human being who is complex and difficult and not always willing. It becomes a less gratifying sexual experience compared to pornography. This is kind of how I see Don John being sexually frustrated with this real person because that real person does not just turn into a Google search. Okay, now do this, now do this, now do that. And be this person and be a different person. You know? So I I mean, I am a freak I've I have a history with pornography. I've been watching pornography for a long time. Um and I have a very similar ritual. I completely yeah. and totally related with Don John and, and how he um He's like, I start out slow, maybe stills, and then I go into some live shots, but I never touch my dick until I find the right clip. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm honestly, I did develop, I have developed um, a very methodical way to which I go about um, engaging in pornography that is not too dissimilar on, hold to on. what. You just said something a, a little bit crazy. You watch stills? No, are I don't. You, are, okay, I was going to say, are you are you a nun? Are, are you like writing on a print? Who no. watches images anymore? He for starts. Porn? He warms up. He talked about warming up. That's like that's like monk like behavior to get off on a photograph that isn't moving. Like, what are we in like nineteen ninety nine? I I remember I would save catalogs from Coles and Sears <laughs> in a black folder. And that was my porn before porn. That is very organized. I'm very impressed with yeah. this young way. Um, it was very secretive. <laughs> I think it was labeled like math or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> First of all, what I appreciate about a Sears catalog is those bitches aren't necessarily small. <laughs> like, you got some curvy girls in the Sears catalog. <laughs> Look, we've seen Big Mouth. <laughs> the animated show by Nick Kroll about teenage adolescents <laughs> in which a man gets attracted to okay they're attracted to a, they jack off to a clock mm-hmm. a hole in the wall like a literal hole that someone punched in the wall they're like mm, a pillow like 
that 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 horniness, that the hormone monster of a thirteen-year-old boy, or <laughs> president of Miramax, <laughs> or president of a country. Oh my God. That, that we do not. We do, oh we, I think Lord. we still underestimate the capacity of horniness amongst <laughs> men of all ages. Perhaps I don't know. I don't. This is, this is a problem with Don John. It's like I feel like all of the problems are caused by this male sexual desire thing and it is very specific and when human beings and co-workers and actresses and and you know women in general cannot conform to that idea of male desire problems start to exist i don't i mean i i guess i would say that i don't think the problem isn't the problem isn't with desire i think desire is very natural Mm -hmm. i think the problem is the conflation of reality and fantasy right um People are human beings that have their own agency and have their own desire. And when you impose their your own fantasy on these real people, it becomes problematic. And that is also probably a problem with pornography is that it's not reality. And a lot of times we have issues making that separation to say that, hey... This is what real intimacy feels like. And pornography can never be intimacy. It can be a good replacement. I don't know. I get into I get deep into some weird ass porn, mm-hmm. but it's not intimacy. Um and that is that kind of becomes the parable of this film. Um we have all of these preconceived notions about what we think is a 10, what we think is a dime, what we think is a perfect sexual experience, what we think that we want from relationships. And we'll use manipulation and we use all of these devices to try and edge people to be this idea that we don't really know that we're reaching for. When in reality... We're talking about the Victoria's Secret. Right. No, I'm, I'm talking about in the film... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has this really clear preconceived notion about what he thinks a perfect woman is. And he thinks that he's found it in Scarlett Johansson, but in reality, he doesn't really know her. Nope. It's not about her as a human being at all. And if he really, when he took the time to get to know her as a human being, he realized he didn't like her. He didn't like talking to her. She didn't like cleaning. She didn't prioritize what he liked. They didn't have anything in common. He imposed a fantasy on this woman and he realized that he didn't even like his own fantasy. Right. It's fascinating. I, I, I love that movie. Um, it's not a perfect film like certain things like there's this moment where Scarlett Johansson just flips out she flips out about his porn watching and I just feel like in 2013 in any of the 2010s everybody fucking watches porn so the fact that a character is surprised that her boyfriend watches porn it just seemed um, antiquated and dated but it I loved this exemplifying of the conflation of fantasy and reality and how damaging that can be in our relationships. Um, so I like the balance aspect of Don John because it is not just about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's problem with pornography. Essentially, there is this thesis that the movie has, which is that 
women also have their quote-unquote porn, and that is romantic comedies. Um, so they go and see a romantic comedy starring Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway and, Channing and Channing Tatum. And it is it is like a hilarious send-up of what every typical kind of 1980s-influenced American rom-com is. And she is as obsessed with romantic comedies as he is with porn. She is also as obsessed with the idea of romance, of, of what a man should be, the same way that she, he is obsessed with the idea of a woman and how she should be. So he wants his woman to be porn stars, and she wants the men to be these perfect, I, 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 I mean, I don't even know romantic comedies enough to know, like, what women fantasize about when it comes to men. Like, like rom-com fantasy, female fantasies of men. I don't understand that. Maybe you can, like, explain to me, like, what the female fantasy is as filtered through rom-coms. But that's pretty much just Scarlett Johansson character. So help me, like, understand this character and what she wants. Unrealistic. What are her unrealistic expectations that she foists upon um, just born Levitt. So, um, on their first in in the film, Joseph Gordon Levitt takes her out to lunch, and she goes, "Well, do you like movies?" And they go and see this um, rom com that you described with Channing Tatum and Anne Hathaway. And when the movie, you know, they show her expressions just lighting up watching this movie. And when she walks out, she goes, um, "It was perfect. He gave up everything for her. It was just meant to be." Like I love your I love your voice I love your voice Ariel <laughs> He gave up everything for her And I think um, I think that is the expectations That romantic comedies Like present This idea sacrifice that everything. men Need to sacrifice everything About their lives My favorite movie One of my favorite I love romantic comedies Dear God Like Growing up, you've got mail, um, sleeveless in Seattle, everything with fucking Sandra Bullock, mm -hmm. my best friend's wedding, runaway bride. I've watched a lot of them, the mm -hmm. high quality shit. I don't do the ABC family. Okay. Um, <laughs> but a concurrent theme is that the men say no to their lives and yes to this love affair, no mm -hmm. matter how trivial or how short term it may be so for instance in two weeks notice um sandra bullock is dating hugh grant's character who is a billionaire and in the end of the movie he basically gives up his inheritance and his fortune and runs down to the legal aid to meet her and marry her like it is and and so yeah that's fiction <laughs> Like, it is, it's basically, um, the expectation is in order for a man to truly love you, he needs to completely alter and rearrange his life in order to prove that complete and total dedication to you and you all's love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I would say, yes. First of all, just being a black girl, I never identified with Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock. I never thought that those women were me. But I'll look at certain situations that I've had with guys 
And I just assumed that they really didn't like me. I was like, they're not into me. I feel like they're not making sacrifices. Um, because if he really liked me, he would make some sacrifices. Wow. Wow. You know, and, my favorite romantic comedy. Oh, Lord. It's a movie called Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> who were, about who were got- Jr. really went in on that mo- in that movie. <laughs> about a guy. It's literally like, I will rescue myself from like the Jap, like my Japanese torturers, you know, I and roll, come roll, back to you and see you with like, oh, is this wait? Is it Ben Affleck the one who's with it or the other guy? And 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 like dedicate my whole journey back to America after being like a POW to be with like Liv Tyler. And she's like, oh, well, do I chose do I choose this guy who I thought was dead and came back and we like had a wonderful you know little boat ride versus this guy who who's here and he mm-hmm. loves me and I settled down with and we have a life with. But now you know, oh, what am I gonna do? You know, oh my God, what what's um what's the Helen Hunt character gonna do after Castaway when Tom Hanks comes back? You know, like that that there's this idea of like a romantic sweep in in which all of the romance. Or all of someone's life is centered around this particular romance, mm-hmm. right? Because a romantic movie is a movie about romance, the characters are all serving romance, mm-hmm. which might be unrealistic for, let's say, 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds who right. have a lot of shit going on in their lives. And they, I, I cannot come back from a war just to get turned down by you. <laughs> You know, it's, it's an interesting. I'm not gonna. I've never. I, I would never. I, I would just say, probably speaking for all men, I will not run through airport security. I'm not going to an airport unless I have a flight. I'm not going through that shit. What, like, where do you park? Like, I, do I have to look up your flight time so I make sure I don't miss you? Like, I, yes. I, I just, I will never yes. run. You go through this plane. effort. You go through this. You put in the effort. You put in the thought. And you do make the sacrifice. I think, I mean, it is it is unrealistic, no doubt. But, but do, do women have to um, yes. make their sacrifice and finish, you know, the guy always has to finish, like, on her nose? Like, does it always have to be, like, all over her face all the time? Like, does that have to be, like... Like, what... Because, I, look, I, 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 think, I think I know... I think I, I think I think I know men... I mean... Whatever men, in general. I don't want to say other men. You know, men including me, who, when they have sex, they most of the time when they consume sex, it is visually mm-hmm. through porn. And so when they're having the real life equivalent of it, they are referencing what they know from porn and what they want from porn. And a lot of times, I think what they want is a fulfillment of the sexual fantasy, but also being very intimate with someone. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know how to deal with this. I, you know, I think I think it's very easy to blame the media for unrealistic expectations of women's bodies or men's. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm more aware of the un- unrealistic expectations against women than men because I just don't watch a lot of rom coms. Mm-hmm. But how do we, I guess, rise above unrealistic expectations? Without settling, without lowering our expectations, but simply refining them in a way that is both practical but also idealistic. I think we should be idealistic when we are seeking a partner. We should strive for something that is transcendent and beautiful. And when we don't find a flawless human being, 
then what is beautiful is those flaws and how do we how we deal with them so i uh, i want like a proactive you know <laughs> game plan or something i think i think what in looking at those romantic comedies a central theme is that the woman is not taking all of the emotional risks. The man is taking emotional risks. Mm. And the woman, like, decides. Exactly. Um, and I think that in my experience in dating, I don't know how other women are. Maybe other women live these wonderful lives in which men hop off of planes and intercede in meetings to tell them how amazing they are but that has not been my reality um yeah i, I would say <laughs> i've never shown up to some someone's house uninvited i've never run into someone's workplace i barely text people so i mean, <laughs> I mean but, but but it's like it's like you can't expect that from me. right can't. and and i think i think what it is is that as women, I feel like we're we're socialized to anticipate other people's emotional needs, mm-hmm. um, and we are, in an implicit way, constantly making emotional sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So saying, "Hey, my husband is above me, my children are above me, all these people around me emotionally, I'm going to serve them." I like mm-hmm. men will bulldoze over you wherever but women will say excuse me i'm sorry to a cardboard cutout if we run into them like it's like constantly accommodating other people emotionally and that's what we're socialized to do so the fantasy is that we are alleviated from making all of these emotional apologies and someone for once in our fucking lives comes up to us and says yes you, I want you, and I've made this sacrifice, and I've proven that, hey, you don't have to constantly take all of these emotional risks all the time and apologize for everything. I'm going to take that on, and you can feel safe. It's about safety. So over break, I was uh, back in Clemson with my parents, and my mom uh, you know, uses our iPad and watches a lot of Facebook videos. Mm-hmm. And one of the Facebook, uh, she watches a lot of like, aspirational uh, Facebook videos. And so th- there was this 10 minute video, and it was called The Four Different Types of Men. Mm-hmm. And so it, it explains, the, so, so the first type of man is um, the boy. Mm-hmm. So this is a man who has not grown up yet. And need someone to take care of them and figure their shit out. Mm-hmm. So this is type number one. Type number two is a player. This is a man who tells you that he loves you, that you mean the world to to them. And the moment they get what they want, they they leave and they are involved with many other women. Mm-hmm. The third uh, type of man is the confused man. He he's a good person, but he is still still not figured out like what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you will always feel a little bit burned because he will never really know what he wants from you or wants from life. And, and he's, he's the guy who like never promote, po- proposes after mm-hmm. being you know, uh, in a relationship for, se- you know, for, yeah. for seven years. And then the fourth one was um, the gentleman who um, is mature, is not a boy, is not a player, um, and respects you and is with, you know, is with you. And he knows what he wants and he goes after it and he shows up. And we watched it, and my mom was like, "Oh, that's good. This is this is this is good. The, the three types of men are bad, and the one type of man is good. You have to be a gentleman." 
And me and my dad were like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the three types of men are real. The gentleman does literally does not exist. Because we are all a little bit boys. We are perhaps a, a little bit, you know, looking at women down the street or, you know, interested in too many women. And we're also very confused about what we want. So I, I really don't feel like gentlemen exist. Is that terrible to say? I, I don't want to, like, lower the bar for men in a, in a ploy to, like, lower expectations for women. I think we should all have very high expectations for people. And I think men should not be... I, I just feel like men tend to be okay with being really shitty because a lot of people just say, you know, it's just okay. And men are given the space to to be be shitty. shitty. So I think we have to rise above that. Absolutely. So, But, but, But I still feel like this fourth category of man, like I have not met a single person who, who wasn't a little, who wasn't flawed and had those flaws. So I'm, I get, I'm trying to find the female equivalent of all these all of these the three things. Types of women. Yeah, I don't know. Because I know women who work really hard, are present in their relationships, yeah. do what they say that they're going to do. Um, they're honest about their feelings when they're hurt. They say that they're hurt. Yeah. Um, and they're very candid about the fact that they want to be loved completely and fully. And so I think because women are so able to kind of come to these realizations, it's hard to understand that this idea that there is somebody who can, I don't know, talk about how they feel, but also, you know, be present and, you know, also make a commitment is just so unrealistic. Yeah. You know? Like, I just... Yeah. I don't know. I'm having trouble. There's one thing to ask somebody to stop a plane to see you. It's another thing to say, hey, when you feel like shit because of something, can you tell me that you feel like shit um, and tell me what that is so I don't know that it's me, so I'm not taking it personally. How about you communicate about what your fucking feelings are? Mm. I don't think that that's a superhuman, ridiculous request. I think that that is something that a mature human being should be able to do. But I don't know. In the dating space, it seems overwhelmingly difficult, and it kind of pisses me off a little bit that men have just, or anyone has just decided that it, that is just so unrealistic. I think that that's bullshit. Yeah. So let's talk about our. So we've been talking about unrealistic expectations. You mm-hmm. know. Let's talk about realistic expectations. What is a realistic expectation? And I feel like if we just start from the ground up, mm-hmm. here are the basic you know, rules of human decency, we can start to formulate, you know, an idea of what we should expect from a romantic partner. Right. Um, I think that's a very good example. I don't know how you categorize that. Maybe accountability, emotional honesty, that mm-hmm. you know, what you're talking about. Um, I, I've been thinking about what I expect from people lately. And a lot of times I don't, quote, unquote, expect much. It's more about... If, I, if we connect and less about checking boxes. Mm-hmm. But there is a box that I have now, which is the whole flakiness thing. And mm-hmm. we've talked about flakiness a right. lot. Um, if you text me five minutes before a show that I bought the tickets of that you can't make it after all, okay. then 
that's a deal breaker. (laughs) If you nonchalantly decide that you don't want to hang out with me, you know, like mid-afternoon that day of and say, hey, can we reschedule? Um, And and, and again, is nonchalant Mm -hmm. about that? It doesn't work for me. And so what I do now is that whenever I encounter a flake, I would say like 50% of millennials are flakes. Mm -hmm. You're not really a flake. But I would say like Mm -hmm. 80% of my friends are flakes and like 50% of the women um, that I encounter are are flakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's about, you know, one out of two uh, women are flakes, one out of two men are flakes. And so when I encounter a flake, I will say to them, I am also a flake sometimes. I'm trying to be better. I hold myself up to the standard of if someone makes a plan with me, I will honor that commitment because I respect your you and your time and I respect our commitments, even if it's to just catch up over coffee. That is still something that we said we we're going to do. And if we say we're not going to do that, that is untrustworthy and, and dishonest. And so I, I will literally like send this long text to people, which is overwhelming for a lot of people. It's like, mm-hmm. I did not. It's a lot. Yeah. I don't want to deal with And it comes across as pretty mean and pretty preachy right. and a little bit like, why are you scolding me? You don't even know me. I, I actually had an emergency or whatever. So it doesn't work all the time, but it is very important for me to expect unflakiness from people so that's my thing i have a lot of things but a lot of not a lot of things beards abs no that's not true not being white (laughs) that's not true i think i don't know i get i'm not a flake no you're not i'm i appreciate that about you i I'm also very honest about my emotions and very direct about that. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge it as a privilege that I've been given from the people who have made me. Like, I I was raised in a space where um, that my time is more valuable than my pride most of the time. Mm-hmm. My pride is still very, very valuable, as, as is my name, but... When it comes down to it, when you aren't willing to be vulnerable and be honest about your emotions, you're wasting your own time. When you could just tell somebody how you feel and they tell you, you know, I don't feel the same way. And then you're like, okay, great. I can move on to the other hundred billion motherfuckers that are present in this world and be done. Like, um, So what's your expectation? So my expectation is that if I'm honest about how I feel... That you would be honest about how you feel. Okay, so okay, so what are your expectations is for a guy to say what they're feeling? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Or at hard. least. Or at least. That's a hard one. It's a, not. Have you I, met men no, like no, that? No, no, <laughs> no. So listen. Emotional honesty from a man? So I'm not saying this is a constant like, oh, he's constantly emotionally honest with me. But when I sit across from someone and I'm like hey I present myself and say like hey this is the space that I'm in I need you to be able to be honest with me and be like hey I'm not in that same space cool like yeah don't waste my time I think it's less about you being just don't waste my fucking time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I have no tolerance for flakiness like I keep my word <laughs> if I say so, I'm going to do something, I try my damnedest to do it. And if I can't, 
then I'm usually very ahead of time and saying that, hey, this is something that I don't think that I'm going to make. So, 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 what's your, so what's your preference? If there's like a question mark in the space between you and the band, would you like him to just never really express what's going on and just kind of slowly phase you out and, and kind of ghost you and not tell you um, what is actually going on? Or would you want him to literally just say exactly what is on his mind? Even if that is hurtful. Even if it's like, I don't really like your face, your body is a five, and now I'm fucking a six, so I, I just upgraded from you. You know, something hurtful. Mm-hmm. Something about your, you know, maybe he just doesn't like your body. Or he doesn't like your breath. Or something that, you know, that can sting a little bit. Um, that is the reason that he's not responding to you. Like, what, what do you prefer? Hit me between the eyes. Um... I want it direct. What? Yes. I want it direct and I want it honest. Because <laughs> at the end of the, the day, <laughs> yes, hit me between the eyes. Is that a new special on Brazzers? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I prefer black. Is that the happy ending? <laughs> I prefer black breeders to Brazzers. Oh my God. Those of you who don't don't get that deep in porn, y'all don't know what I'm talking black about. But breeders? some of you motherfuckers know what black breeders is. What the fuck? I know. This is some deep level stuff that you are not going to know about. Anyway. Um, is this like, I'm like, imagine like the Mandingos from like Jando <laughs> Unchained. Remember those like fighting slaves that, that but, but like the sexual version it's, of it? It's close. Okay. It's, okay. It's, I, it's get nasty. It. I get I, it. I get it. Again, in sex, Sex is important to me, and so yes, nastiness, whatever. Anyway, but hit, hit your me eyes, not with sperm, but with honesty. Yes, not with, <laughs> not with sperm. This is our title. <laughs> hit me in between the eyes, not with sperm, but with honesty. I mean, sometimes with sperm depends on the context. Okay, I don't know openness, whatever. Um, with honesty, because cool. either it is either a it's something that I do need to hear. Or B, it's a bad reflection on that person, and that re- person has revealed an incompatibility, and then I need to move on. Yeah. If I meet a guy who's like, mm, I'm not really into your body, I'm going to be like, that's fine, we're incompatible. And mm-hmm. yes, I have a lot of hang-ups about my body, but at the end of the day, I know that there's somebody else in this world who's going to, it's going to turn them the fuck on, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm going to be like, okay, we are incompatible. You go and do your thing, and I'm going to do mine. Um, If it's something like, hey, you are, and something that I've gotten, you are uncompromising, or um, Hmm. you... you, You're so compromising. That is not true. (laughs) You're compromising. (laughs) But... Or, like, there are some you other are. things. Thank you. Why would, someone, why would someone say that about you? I I think that in the place that I was in at that point, he was just like, you are, you won't move on certain issues. Mm. And yeah. it was a truth that I needed to hear from him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that either way, yeah, just rip that Band-Aid off, dude. Do not waste my time. That shit is so disrespectful to me. Like, you just kind of waiting around. How often does that happen? It happens a lot. For someone to choose to choose ghosting over honesty. 
I feel like Most it happens times, way more than yeah. Ninety five. But the the problem with me it's is how that our generation communicates. It is by how just our generation never texting it, Do you think it's a problem? Do you think we need to change? No, I I think that I don't know. I think that we need to change, but I don't know. Just because of the person that I am, I am so direct and kind of confrontational that you, it's like I'm like, look, I'm having this feeling right now. Yeah. And I'm going to say what I'm sensing. And here, you have an opportunity to say something. And if you don't say anything, that's fine. We're probably done anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm very, very confrontational because I'm very protective of my time and my space. Yeah. So if I sense, and you know, at this point, I can sense when somebody is backing away or is not being honest or is about to waste my fucking time and so i'll bring it to the table and call it out and then i'll be like okay wash my hands that's not to say i'm perfect in relationships but that's something that i know how to sense i love that i think i think that is i think it is both both realistic but in some ways idealistic and i think that that's a good place to be you know i i really hope you do find you know maybe not your perfect man but someone who can just fulfill the basic necessity of being emotionally honest not playing games and just be there for you and be mature and not expect you to be some like porn star fetish i think that is an okay we have a little bit of that <laughs> okay, a little bit of that okay okay um you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. Like, finding that, like, happy balance between perfection and kind of settling or, like, (laughs) overlooking someone's flaws or accepting that everyone is flawed and you have to, you know, perhaps you have to choose to love someone even though, I don't know, what are some flaws? They're an alcoholic. They have a very, very small penis. They're a Trump supporter. I don't know. They have one limb, you know. Um they have a very annoying laugh and you guys you, you, you know and you can't stand it. I, I don't I don't know what whatever flaw is you know they're a they work in oil and gas no I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding that's reality I feel like because people aren't honest we don't know people's realities hmm. and so we don't have real expectations we have fantastical expectations but mm-hmm. I I wish there were more real stories yeah about couples who have been together for years and years like i've met couples who have been together for years and years and you know a guy stepped out of the marriage and had like two children and came back and she accepted him back and (laughs) like i'm not saying that that's something that you should accept but i'm saying that it's some people's realities and if people make the choice to say that hey i love this person even though this betrayal happened don't judge me for it like I don't know. I wish I heard more authentic stories about what people truly cope and deal with in relationships. Yeah. That's part of why I like about this podcast is because I think we have to be real and to acknowledge all the pain and struggle of being someone who is single and who's trying to meet someone who's connecting. But on the other hand, I feel like yeah, look, we live in a crazy world with a lot of a lot of shitty men. You know, maybe some flaky women. A lot women. of shitty women, too. Okay, sure. Women are sure. shitty, too. I'm yeah. not going to... No, women are shitty. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, women can lie. 
Mm-hmm. Same as men. You know, women can cheat. Same as men. But that is not the truth, right? I think the truth is that love is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And sex can be really good and wonderful and very intimate and not superficial. And that I think as humans, we are just naturally predisposed to like want to like each other. Want to mm-hmm. like? I, I think like the media and the politics mm-hmm. convince people that we are like we are predisposed to conflict. Mm-hmm. I actually have the opposite belief. I think we are supposed to like each other. We are evolutionarily selected to be social beings who want a wife or a husband mm-hmm. or, or 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 some kind of arrangement. In which we bring each other joy. I would agree. I think people are looking for connections. And if, and if that is a totally okay expectation. So let's ex- let's expect that from people and not shooting come bef- between their eyes or run stop. Maybe planes that's or, a connection. Yeah, you're into that. You're like hmm, that arrangement no. could work. That that can work. Look, I don't. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Don John is good. I'm glad we talked about this. Is there is there anything else you want you want to add before we um, close out our hour? No, I mean I I just I like I like what's real, and it's hard when people are trying to impose their fantasies and all of these things. And and what's real could be so much more magical, like. How horrible would it be if we could predict every interaction, every sexual ending? Like, no, it's just so much fascinating to be with somebody who can thrill and horrify you all at the same time. Like, I just feel like we should be more open and accepting to the things or more accepting about the idea that our imaginations are um, limited and reality could be better than our own imaginations okay something random just popped into my brain can i say it i think it's so wonderful for people to share stories of love and pain Mm -hmm. not just stories of pain because i feel like it's like the story of love because it's too saccharine but a story of love and pain so if anyone is like listening to this podcast i want them to like message us on facebook and like we should like bring them on i i I want more guests Mm -hmm. i want to hear other people's stories of love and pain and finding that balance of expectation of someone else and of some you know and yourself i agree i can't wait to hear from all these (laughs) other people in the world and their kind of multitude of experiences Mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be really wonderful a lot of fun Thank you for doing this podcast. This is I good, know, right? This is good. This is good. I think this is episode a four. One. You think this is the best one? No, this is episode. Well, we had the introduction, so I guess it's, does that mean that's episode four? I don't know. We don't know. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, guys. I'll see. You. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye.